the Saviour of all mankind. We're continuing the discussion of the goal of our faith, the saving of our souls. The saving of our souls is a collaborative work between us and the Saviour of our souls. I want to read from 1 Timothy 4, 7. Train yourself for godliness. For if physical training has some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. For to this end, we struggle and make an effort, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Saviour of all mankind, especially of those who believe. That word saviour, from the word save, sozo, means a rescuer, a healer, protector, the saviour of our souls. I want to note especially that this saving work of the soul was achieved by Jesus for all of mankind, everybody. That is the heart's desire of a loving God for his creation. But it only becomes a present reality to those who have faith in that work of God through Jesus Christ. Paul here is comparing the effort for spiritual fitness to training ourselves for physical fitness. And physical fitness is only effective if the discipline is regular and ongoing. The same goes for our training in spiritual fitness or godliness, as Paul calls it. Train yourself for godliness. So how do we train ourselves for godliness? The inner work of spiritual fitness. Paul tells us that we have to make an effort, an inner spiritual work of the soul, a labour of entering into the rest of faith, as our Saviour works supernaturally upon us and for us in all things. So we're working together with God. All of us have a natural human spirit that was created in the image of God before the foundation of the world. But when the Holy Spirit was poured out on humanity on the day of Pentecost, God's Spirit was made available to be joined to our human spirit through our faith, God with us. The soul expresses both the natural human spirit and our God with us spirit. And these are two different spiritual realities for us. See, our human spirit has a reality that is instinctively influenced by what is happening to us in the world around us. And that stamps its identity of our idea of ourselves, who we think we are, upon our soul. Our God-with-us spirit reality is influenced by what the Holy Spirit is doing to transform us. And that stamps the identity of God's idea of who we are upon our soul. Now, it takes work and effort on the inner life of the soul to move from one reality to the other, from the natural human spirit to the God-with-us spirit reality. And that work includes what the Bible calls being renewed in the spirit of our mind. The human spirit always has a sense of falling short. The have not, am not, know not, cannot and do not attitude. Now, these things can seem irrational to our minds. If we analyse them, we think, 
well, I'm not that hopeless. The problem with us in our natural self is that our emotions and feelings are what they are. And they are not always rational because our imagination can escalate the drama of any situation, whether it's good or bad. We often deal with this falling short or am not, have not in our natural minds by deciding to put on a front or go into denial or blame a whole lot of circumstances or other people's behaviour. But our self-defence mechanisms and coping devices end up failing and wearing us out emotionally. And all kinds of harmful or destructive behaviour can result from those kinds of efforts. But God sees each one of us in our human spirit as his child created in his image. But those who believe the life-changing truth that God has caused our spirit to be joined in oneness to his spirit are told in the Bible that they are being transformed into the image of Jesus by the Spirit of the Lord. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And this only has meaning and power for those who believe in this truth and choose to live in it. So we don't have to get stuck in the natural human spirit. We don't work on that to make it do a better job. We work on moving from that into the God with us in the oneness of spirit with the Lord. The Holy Spirit seeks to awaken us to a new reality of who we are. On the one hand, we do need to have a grasp of how to honestly admit our own sinful nature and its weaknesses and its fallibility. On the other hand, we need to have a grasp of the nature of God's love and forgiveness and mercy. God is bigger than our opinion of ourselves and our opinion of God is always immeasurably deficient as his word and his spirit informs our spirit more and more of the loving nature of God we grow to love and trust him more and more. So we're going to have a look at our experience of our outer life and our inner life. Because these two things are happening at the same time. The outer life is experienced as a series of events and happenings with the world, with our five senses, with everything around us. The inner life is experienced as a series of moments of connection with God. And we'll look at those two things. Let's look at the outer life. Our outer life experiences dominate the attention of our natural mind, which is the mind of our natural human spirit. The natural mindset in relationship to the outer life and the world goes down the pathway of wanting to know the world and wanting to be known by the world. And this is where our mental and emotional energy is spent. In wanting to know the world, That's the place where our sense of I have not, I am not, I cannot, it wants to know the world and find answers of self-help and self-mastery. That's normal for our natural minds. And that's also the place where our need for belonging and feeling some measure of significance causes us to want to be known by the world and find answers to our basic relational human needs. Now, these are not wrong pursuits for the natural mind, and they're not wrong pursuits for the 
emotions to have because for most of the world, that is the only kind of mindset that exists as a reality. And that's what has brought us all, each one of us individually and collectively, to the place of whatever measure of material attainment and success we've all reached at this time in history. And this is where our natural and emotional energy has mostly been spent and where we call upon the reserves of our acquired skills and learning and God-given gifts. So I'm not talking as though these things are wrong. However, this natural mindset has also brought to us whatever measure of evil and disorder also exists at this time in history in our world. Our failure to live in love and be at peace with one another, which we see as the way things are in the world. And this is where our natural and emotional energy, I'm talking about the natural spirit, has mostly been spent. Now, the inner life. The inner life is experienced as a series of moments of connection with God. Connecting with God is not just the mental knowledge of the fact that God exists and thinking about it from time to time. That is there remotely in the universe somewhere and if you try hard enough you might get his attention. No, he's there within you wanting to get your attention. As far as you and he are concerned, you are his only concern. It's between God and you for each individual. You're his concern. You're his concern. And that concern is your inner life, your inner world. And we need to learn that we can give any given moment of time to that reality, no matter what else is going on. Otherwise, Jesus is not your saviour, but a concept of someone you can read about in the Bible who did wonderful things on the earth 2,000 years ago. Your present reality is that he is actively at work in the world of the unseen on your behalf concerning every detail of your life. You are his creation. And you have been brought into oneness with him, which is a reality for us only if we believe it. Even though God's oneness with us is his objective for all humanity. As I read in the very beginning, the scripture, he is the saviour of all mankind, especially of those who believe. That was in 1 Timothy 4 verse 7. Our spiritual God with us mind. Let's look at this now in our, in our inner reality, the inner life. This mind goes down the pathway, not of wanting to know the world and be known by the world, but it goes down the pathway of wanting to know God and be known by him, which Paul speaks about in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 9. Knowing him is more than just having information about him. It is experiencing the warmth and friendship of Jesus in his humanity and his divinity. The Bible tells us that those who love God are known by him because knowing and being known is a two-way 
self-disclosure between one person and another. It's not one person just guessing what another person's like. Either way, it is two-way, disclosing who we are. We give ourselves to him by sharing everything about ourselves with him. And he gives himself to us, not only by revealing to us what his word says about him, but also by the whisper of the Holy Spirit, who reveals who Jesus is to us in any given situation. Always actively involved, concerned for us. We focus upon that and connect with God in that moment. We're talking about going down this pathway of connecting with God. But this pathway has to be formed first for us to be able to get on it quickly and freely in any circumstance or situation. And this takes practice. It takes spiritual work. This is the exercise of godliness. This becomes what we give our time and energy to. So where is our mind at any one stretch of time? Is it stuck on am not, have not, cannot, will not? If we can focus on God with us and his good will towards us in the events and happenings of life, those things of the world assume their rightful place in the big scheme of our lives and that captive moment of oneness with him turns into a moment of faith where I am assured that God is at work for me in that situation and that in turn, will bring rest and peace and blessing. That is the, when I am weak, I am strong exchange in real time. And at so little cost, new pathways of faith and hope get laid down and get formed more permanently in our minds every time we do this exercise of godliness and more space is created in our hearts to contain his loving presence and rest. So we need to establish these pathways of faith and hope by setting aside quality, abiding time with God, as Jesus did when the Bible speaks of him retiring to be away from others and to be with his father on a mountaintop. And that's a metaphor of putting our minds upon things above and not on the things of this earth. I call these structured times of collaborative work with God presence prayer. The practice of presence prayer establishes these pathways of faith and hope. Our work is the being still and holding on to him in our minds and hearts, a work of receiving, the labouring to enter into the rest of the soul. We focus upon God's spiritual reality, that he is supernaturally at work in the world of the unseen on our behalf concerning every detail of our inner life. His spirit changing us into his likeness and opening our eyes to his miraculous ordering of all things in our lives that are going on around about us, bringing them together for good. And he becomes our peace and hope and consolation. We practice focusing upon this instead of focusing on our human spirit have-not reality concerning all of our problems. We can do this often and for extended periods of time, just as Jesus did. It is something we can do when we choose to. 
So before I finish up today, I'd like us to do an exercise of present prayer now for a couple of minutes and to meditate upon some spiritual realities of God's words to us from Scripture. Just as David said in Psalm 19, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. So would you like to just sit quietly and meditate upon these words of encouragement from the Lord as I speak them? And you sit. I am receiving from you, Lord, the salvation of my soul. 1 Peter 1.9 I am seeking first your kingdom, O Lord, and knowing that you add all the other things that I need according to your will. Luke 12.31 You give me the spirit of power and of love and of an ordered mind. That's Second Timothy 1, 7. I know that it is you that is working within me to will and to do that which pleases you. Philippians 2, verse 13. I am coming to you just as you ask me to find rest for my soul. Matthew eleven twenty eight. I will be still and know that you are God. I will be still and know that you are the Lord that heals me. Psalm 46, verse 10. I give you thanks, Lord, with a grateful heart. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Psalm 139, verse 17. I know that your presence will go with me and you will give me rest. For I have found grace in your sight and you know me by name. Exodus thirty-three fourteen. I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. My times are in your hands. Psalm 31, 14. I know that you are doing exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask or think according to your power that is working within me. Ephesians 3, verse 20. As you said, Jesus, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I determine, and my judgment is right, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. John five thirty. I know the thoughts that you have towards me of good and not of evil, to give me a future and a hope. Jeremiah 29.11 I am confident that you, Lord, who has begun a good work in me, will complete it until that day. Philippians 1.6 Amen.